It's Friday, August 2nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into why the U.S. has pulled out of a long-standing missile treaty with Russia. We'll connect the dots on how the international community is reacting. Then, President Trump is ramping up the trade war with China, while he's calling a small truce with Europe. We'll give you the details. And finally, women in Saudi Arabia are getting rights that are long overdue. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about nuclear weapons treaties, the deals that aim to prevent nuclear war. Today, the U.S. officially pulled out of one of the big ones, the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, or INF a historic deal that helped end the Cold War. This is big news. The INF led the U.S. and the Soviet Union to get rid of more than 2,600 missiles. And with the deal now in shreds, people are wondering if it's time to load up on ramen and book an Airbnb in the closest nuclear bunker. So today we're going to get into what the INF treaty accomplished, why it fell apart, and what happens next. Let's rewind to peak Cold War, the late 1970s. The U.S. and Soviet Union are in the middle of an arms race. They make a missile, we make a missile, etc. Of course, how many weapons they had was top secret. But some estimates are that the Soviets and the U.S. each had around 25,000 nuclear weapons. Yikes. And they weren't just storing them. The Soviet Union was setting up new nuclear missiles that would have been able to hit U.S. friends in Western Europe. But then at some point, the U.S. and Soviet Union said, Enough's enough. They realized they'd reached something called nuclear parity. Basically, if they wanted to nuke each other, anywhere, they could. You've probably heard of mutually assured destruction? That's it. So they thought, maybe we should just calm down and start cutting back together. But first, the US put its missiles in Europe, just to show we've got their back. So they negotiated for years. And then in 1987, they made it official. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev banned all missiles that could hit targets between 300 and 3,400 miles. This ceremony and the treaty we're signing today are both excellent examples of the rewards of patience. This was historic, maybe the biggest thing the U.S. and the Soviet Union ever agreed on. And for a while, it worked. In the early 90s, more countries in Europe joined the deal or agreed to play along. And this kept going until 2002, when Bulgaria destroyed its Soviet-era missiles. Over time, with the INF and other treaties, U.S. and Russia's stockpiles dropped by 80%. But fast forward to 2014, and things started to get a bit sketchy. That's when the Obama administration accused Russia of testing a banned missile and violating the INF treaty. Russia acted really pissed, and then they turned the tables and accused the U.S. of also violating the INF. And from then on, both sides were locked in a diplomatic staring contest. And nobody blinked. And the contest continued under the Trump administration. In late 2017, the State Department announced a plan to start research on a new generation of intermediate-range missiles, including options for ground-launch missiles as well. Basically, they were saying, if Russia isn't going to play by the rules, why should the U.S.? Late last year, President Trump took things a step further. He said the U.S. would leave the INF unless Russia and China stopped developing missiles. Yeah, China, 
President Trump was worried that China was allowed to build more missiles than the U.S. because they hadn't signed onto the treaty. And some officials said this would mean the U.S. is at a disadvantage. In February, the U.S. threatened to leave the INF Treaty in six months. And that timer ran out today. NATO said today that this is Russia's fault. And other U.S. allies apparently also think that Trump made the right move. That Russia really was to blame here. So what happens next? The scary thing is we don't know a lot, but the things we do know aren't good. First, the U.S. is reportedly planning to test a new missile that was banned under the INF Treaty. That missile test could occur within weeks. Reportedly, it's one of the three new types of missiles the U.S. has been working on. Russia also seems to be pretty happy about having the INF out of the way. There are also reports that Russia's continuing to work on its next-generation missiles. Neither side has made big moves to come back to the negotiating table to stop the race. And China would probably be involved. So what's the skim? One of the most important agreements to reduce nuclear weapons is now dead. But the U.S. and Russia don't seem to mind. They're both ready to see other people and test missiles that they couldn't before. But experts say, don't start building your bunker yet. The U.S., Russia, and China all want to have the latest missile tech in their arsenal. But once they get it, maybe they'll be willing to put the arms race on pause again. There aren't just missile issues between the U.S. and China. There's also an ongoing trade war. And the U.S. just made the next move. We've taken the toughest ever action to stand up to China's trade abuse. And I just announced another 10% tariff on $300 billion worth of Chinese products that come into our country. That was President Trump at a campaign rally in Cincinnati last night. Earlier, he tweeted this new tariff on China, a 10% tariff on $300 billion worth of Chinese goods, which is coming on top of the 25% on $250 billion of goods that already exists. Yeah, that's a lot. It'll kick in on September 1st and hit everything from iPhones to sneakers. So how did we get here? You might have heard a thing or two about the US-China trade war. For the past two years, Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping have been upping the ante. And whenever the chats go silent, one of them throws a tariff at the other. The talks were on ice for a while this spring, but they decided to go back to the negotiating table at the end of June. In fact, just this week, U.S. negotiators went to Shanghai to meet with Chinese officials. The White House said the conversation was constructive and that they'd already synced up another date in September. Trump said, cool, cool. But now he seems to want to put pressure on President Xi to speed things up. Here he is talking to reporters yesterday. Frankly, he's not going fast enough. He said he was going to be buying from our farmers. He didn't do that. He said he was going to stop fentanyl from coming into our country. It's all coming out of China. He didn't do that. We're losing thousands of people to fentanyl. He's talking about farmers because they've been taking the biggest hit. China has stopped buying a lot of their commodities. Agricultural exports are expected to be down $2.5 billion, according to the USDA. Businesses and consumers have also been hurt by these tariffs. China is not thrilled. They've threatened what they call necessary countermeasures if those tariffs actually go into effect. 
And investors aren't happy either. Markets fell after Trump's announcement. But Chinese trade isn't the only thing on Trump's mind. He also announced a new trade deal with the EU this afternoon that makes it easier to export beef to the EU. Initial estimates say that the deal will help the U.S. beef industry grow by over $270 million a year. This is a tremendous victory for American farmers, ranchers, and of course, European consumers, because American beef is considered the best in the world. The win-win and win for carnivores is real. The U.S. and the EU are each other's biggest trading partners. But there's been some tension there, too. Trump is basing all these trade policies after his America First plan. And the EU might not be too thrilled about this considering its stocks took a tumble. But even as his battle with China continues, there's a chance Trump will chalk up his fight with the EU as a win. It's a new age for women in Saudi Arabia. Well, sort of. By the end of August, Saudi Arabia will allow women to apply for a passport and travel on their own, without having to get permission from their male guardian first. Yeah, you heard that right. They needed permission to get a passport from their fathers or husbands or some other guy. And if a woman did have a passport, there was this government app that made sure a man had given her permission to travel. Saudi women have reported hacking into their guardian's phones to give themselves permission when they wanted to go somewhere. But travel isn't the only thing changing for Saudi women. These new laws also allow women to become the legal guardians of their own children. That's another thing only men got to do there. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has often been criticized for its oppressive laws against women. Women have only gotten the rights to vote, drive, enroll in school, or have access to healthcare within the past few years. But feminists aren't going to give this country five stars anytime soon. Women there still need permission to get married or to leave a domestic abuse shelter from their male guardian. Yeah, that last one really doesn't make any sense. So it's still a long journey ahead, even with a new passport. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Happy Hour. We've all been there. You're at after-work drinks to relax, but while you're crowding the bar, fighting for the bartender's attention, some person moseys in ahead of you, winks and waves, and gets their glass filled on the spot. And suddenly, you want to order a double. But no more. A new London bar is going to stop those guys. Using artificial intelligence. Sounds fancy. It is. Here's how it works. The AI facial recognition technology tracks you when you approach the bar and puts you in a virtual line. There's a TV above the bar with your face circled and a number so you can see when you're up. Behind the bar, the AI app tells the bartender who's next and whether they're too young for a pint and need an ID check. Data privacy critics are raising red flags, saying this is just another way for Big Brother to get your info. But the guys who made this software are hoping AI will be a painkiller so your next happy hour isn't so dark and stormy. Cheers. Happy Friday. And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening this week, and we'd love for you to rate and review us online. 
A lot of news happens over the weekend, so to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.